Welcome to The Soul Connection, an exploration of the interconnectivity between our social influencers, physical and emotional well-being, with a spark of spirituality. Please welcome your host, The Soul Doctor, Dr. Christiane Lepertz, known as Dr. K. So today we have an exciting show. We have Bonnie Nye, who is the author of Blood Covenants, and Jerry Pereira, who runs the Leiden Preservation Group out of Plymouth, Massachusetts. So our topic today is going to be dealing with our historical roots of who we are as a people, which is crucial in our social development and social connectivity. And who we are often dictates where we go in life and how connected we are to one another and how connected we are to our past uh, heritage and culture. Blood Covenants, Bonnie's topic that she's come in as our expert on, is a very key topic because most people don't realize that there were covenants that were cut in the birth of this nation and where they originate from. What is the, shall we say, historical significance of them? So we're going to start today with Jerry. I welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We are very excited to hear from you. And first of all, tell us a little bit about the Leiden Preservation Group, what you do, what's your mission, uh, where are you at, and how people can find you. Thank you, Christy. It's good to be with you. Um, Yes, simply the Leiden Preservation Group. We're right here in Plymouth, across from Plymouth Rock. And uh, my wife and I had had a desire to preserve something very important that we felt was very important here in Plymouth. And that's actually, a, it's interesting you, you prefaced the, the, the show with talking about covenant. We believe that the site we're at, which we refer to as Lot 1, is a covenant site. And that's simply uh, to say that the extension and the, and the identity uh, of, the, of the Mayflower Pilgrims took root here on Leiden Street, which this street is, and they named it after their village in Holland, which they fled from England. As you know, they were persecuted by the King of England and they fled and sought refuge in Holland. And um, we're here on Leiden Street in Plymouth, which was named after, and we're at at this particular site, to give you an understanding, it's the site of the first home that was built uh, here as the as the women stayed on board the Mayflower, the men uh, got off and decided to uh, decided to build shelter. And this would have been the site of the first home. It's also a very f- significant site because um, during that first year of building, the, the First Nations people, the, the indigenous tribe engaged them. They initiated contact right here at this site and signed a treaty, which is sort of an agreement, a covenant, if you will, mm-hmm. um, between the pilgrims and, and the natives. And that, that relationship, that agreement, that whatever you want to call it, uh, is, is an extension of, of the covenant uh, in, in some cases. That is the longest lasting peace treaty among um, uh, the First Nations and, and the Pilgrim Fathers. So we, we understood that the pilgrims were bringing this thought of covenant, which is relationship not only with God, but with each other. And they were bringing this across the, the stormy Atlantic and landing here in a very specific sp- uh, spot 
to continue what they had what they were deeply saturated in in their belief in faith in their belief in a you know in this vertical covenant relationship with god but also this horizontal relationship and covenant with each other and that's why one of the great documents the mayflower compact which they signed actually before stepping out onto land talks about this relationship in the name of god amen we the undersigned uh who've taken this undertaken this i'm paraphrasing uh, undertaken this voyage um you know assemble ourselves in this civil body politic well what is this civil body politic the civil body politic is this group of this assembly of people who have a who have come together in a common interest and uh come together in in essence through covenant so this covenant idea and this covenant relationship not only gets uh, gets deposited here in the western hemisphere through the mayflower pilgrims it actually becomes lived out it becomes an expression uh not only of biblical faith but of of our relationships with each other so we feel that this is a covenant site light and preservation group is in its mission is to preserve sites of significance that tell of america's uh christian heritage and that is a beautiful mission definitely mm-hmm. and i find it very interesting that you are actually a transplant to this country and you have such a heart for this country it is so beautiful tell us a little bit about that yeah thank you you know i i'm a sri lankan by birth i grew up on the west coast i came here to college in the uh in the 70s i'll date myself and then my goal was to get back to the sunny california well you know i have nothing just that will tell you i have nothing in in a relationship or in common with the pilgrims but uh, I, I did marry a, a, a patriot, patriot, a very patriotic wife from New England. And since uh, being married and having a family, I really realized what is our identity as a people, as an American, and what is our heritage? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fast forward 30, 20, 30 years later, and we're uh, engaged with the Leiden Preservation Group. So I, I think it's a wonderful journey. I think I've understood uh, liberty and freedom and covenant in a way I would not have understood had I not experienced it, experienced it as a, as a young man, experienced it as a individual, experienced it as a, as a father, as a husband, as a head of a household. These, these are deep, deep uh, underlying structures that contribute to our worldview and our understanding of who we are. So I, yeah, I very, very much appreciate the 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 focus of your podcast to get that word out. Absolutely. Because if we don't understand some of our social connectivity, there's, there's a lot of identity crisis with the country. And we're one of the only countries, Israel and America that were birthed out of covenant Mm. and covenant right now, we were just talking pre-show is kind of a very overlooked thing. Um, Bonnie had some great observations on this whole covenant subject, you know, um, in our generation and generations forward, because the really, the, the stress of being connected in honoring ancestors, it really isn't passed down anymore. Apparently we're too civilized for that, mm-hmm. but it, up till now, it was a huge 
uh, part of the fabric of this country and many others. And, you know, we here we have this blessing of being a covenant nation birthed in a covenant with God, and many people don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And you had a great a line that you said that, go ahead, about uh, people jumping in and out of covenants. Oh, well, in our Western society, we have we have no clue what a covenant is. We don't understand it because it's an Eastern concept. And it was birthed in, in the Mideast by God. Um, so we what we do in the Western world is we, we want to make a contract with somebody. So we get a lawyer and we make a contract and we go along for a while. And three or four years later, we're tired of that contract. So we get another lawyer to find a loophole. Well, in a covenant, there are no loopholes. You don't get a loophole. You don't get to change your mind. You have When you enter covenant, it's for life and it's forever. And it's binding and it's sacred. And there's nothing can break it. They're unbreakable, indissoluble, and cannot be annulled. A true covenant, a blood covenant cannot be annulled. Right. And mm-hmm. it's punishable. Punishable by death. <laughs> yes. Yes, in the ancient cultures, when when they made covenant with each other, made blood covenants, if they had they had this part of the ceremony was blessings and cursing, so they have all these these cursings, and they'd say, if you break covenant, this is what's going to happen to you, and then they have the blessings. If you keep covenant, this is what will happen to you. So if if someone broke covenant, their own family members would hunt them down and bring them back to to be killed, so that the curse didn't come on them. And that's how sacred and that's how binding it was. But we don't we don't get that in our Western culture. We just get a lawyer and get out of it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, many people just they don't understand. I didn't understand for many years the significance of these things, because you go mm-hmm. uh, you grow up saying, you know, Pledge of Allegiance. That's actually a vow. Mm-hmm. You go join a group and they tell you to raise your right hand and you make a vow to this group to uphold their values, blah, blah, blah. And then you get tired of that group and you go to a new group and they have you hold up your hand and people do the same thing, but they don't realize. And this was part of the things I learned about how to weed out your soul is you have to really go back into all these covenants you made in your life. Mm-hmm. And repent for those. I mean, the blood of Christ can atone for everything, but we don't even realize the impact of our words. These we're not necessarily making blood covenants, but they are covenants. They are vows. Even I was talking about, you know, corporations. Corporations put out a, a conflict of interest paper that people have to sign and say that no, I will not have a conflict of interest because I'm part of this organization. And corporations, they, they say, okay, and I'm going to re- represent the, the interests of the shareholders. But that's a covenant that they sign away on. And every board member, that's part of their fiduciary responsibility. And so we have all these covenants everywhere that people are jumping in and out of. And you're right. Mm-hmm. It's, it just takes a lawyer to... to... Right. And one, one of the uh, ways in ancient cultures to ratify a covenant was to cut across the palms with and until and blood flow, and then they would shake hands and, and mix the bloods. Well, that's where we get the handshake from. Um, and it was a time, even in this country, that a man's handshake was his bond. And if you're going to shake hands with somebody, that meant you, you could count on me. But that's not so anymore. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So going back to your uh, museum, it's a museum now, right? 
It's, uh, yes, the, the, the bottom floor is sort of a gathering place, a collaborative, a museum. Uh, you know, we want it to be, we realize that the world comes here to, across the street to see this little rock. And what does it really symbolize? Mm -hmm. it's sim this little rock uh, symbolizes so much of an identity of the covenant. Uh, so we have some uh, notable things around the walls here that help describe that So for visitors, because we're, real we're realizing as we move through life, we are really pilgrims all in search of this identity, in mm -hmm. search of the root of covenant and all of the blessings of covenant, all of the, that which comes out of covenant. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting uh, you say that, uh, Bonnie, because I think this ratification, if I could give you a quick example of how the pilgrims really what ratified this covenant here, they believe that God was taking them to a, a new land, a land of freedom, a, a promised land in some in some ways. And the, the Mayflower is often referred in some cases to this uh, cradle of liberty, which brought them across the Atlantic and deposited them here in the wilderness. And uh, as you know, the story that during that first winter, they land in December. This is a harsh place to land in December. Mm -hmm. And by, by uh, and they're, they're trying to build shelter during winter. Uh, the voyage was a, a very difficult voyage. Many of them were sick. They were, they were their immune systems were low. Uh, uh, sickness started to come in. And, and that winter, half of them perish. And they're buried right here across the street on this hill, which was a, which was a burial uh, ground. It was a burial ground for First Nations people as well. And the pilgrims are burying their dead at night so that the neighboring uh, First Nations were, who were scouting them wouldn't see their dwindling company. In mm -hmm. fact, there's a sarcophagus here on top of the hill now that has the bones of the pilgrims. But you talk about ratifying a covenant. I believe that winter when, when there was no hope and there was nothing else, they were burying their dead. And, and by the time spring rolled around and the captain is taking is offering them free passage back to Europe because of the circumstance, none of them, not one, decided to go back. That's the ratification of this covenant agreement that they, they mm -hmm. stepped into with, with, uh, with God asking them to bring them across this furious Atlantic into a new mm -hmm. land. Right. So uh, that, that's a very significant, and that's again why we really um, want to preserve this site for the generations to come that will understand and know this story and this legacy, this deep legacy of, of really the first seed of covenant freedom that was planted here, that was ratified here. And uh, it could have been any town in America, but it, it was Plymouth. And, and this is interesting, too, because I've, all, I've often thought about this. They had a charter. They had an agreement to go to the northern shores of Virginia, which would have been the Hudson. They are blown off course. In God's providence, he, he blows them off course. <laughs> and had they not been blown off course they would not have entered into this Mayflower Compact because in, in their mind, they had no legal jurisdiction. They had no constitution. They had no charter to settle in this different spot than they were chartered to. So they're blown off course in divine providence. And, and this is their understanding of covenant 
an agreement that brought them to craft this document, this great document of American history that, that then a generation or the two or three generations later rely on to, to craft another document called the Declaration of Independence. And they just, they just term it different, we the people. Where do we get this understanding of we the people? Well, it comes from a civil body politic that we could be self-governed under God's law. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really, that's, that's awesome. Well, and the other thing we talk about is covenant territory. And we have covenant territory in the United States, just like there is covenant territory in Israel. And my whole life, I mean, it's, Israel's been in the news of, you know, there are battles back and forth and people fighting over Jerusalem, covenant territory. Mm-hmm. And the same territory, the offspring of Isaac and the offspring of Ishmael are still both battling for Abraham's covenant territory. Mm-hmm. We have covenant territory here. Here is where you're sitting on covenant territory and you're a keeper of our covenant. You're a gatekeeper. But right next door, you have Salem, right? Which is your witchcraft <laughs> capital of the country. That's right. So we have, again, the dark and the light trying to claim the same area, the same covenant area. Very good. As, as yeah. covenant territory. Yeah. Let, let me just share this in, in reflecting over our work here the last decade or so, and, and even more uh, as I'm learning these documents. I'm a math major. I'm not a history major. But when I come upon the covenant portion and the, the providential portion, I'm looking at it. There's no coincidence here. God was orchestrating something from 1620 to 1630 on, in the Western Hemisphere. 1620, he was bringing a church group, this, these Mayflower pilgrims, and inserting covenant and teaching and, and biblical knowledge and the advancement of the gospel into the Western Hemisphere. And he's using a local body, a group of families, a church congregation to do it. In 1626, Salem is being founded, and the pilgrim band actually goes up to Salem to help found this, this, uh, this little outpost there. So the great declaration in 1620 with the pilgrims is, we're here to advance the kingdom of Christ. Mm-hmm. The Great Declaration in 1626 in Salem, when Roger Conant founded Salem, is that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Wow. And, <laughs> and let, me take you to, let me take you to 1630, because I call this a decade of formation of the Western Hemisphere in mm-hmm. what would become America, this great nation of covenant. But God is doing something in 10 years. He's establishing the advancement of the kingdom in Plymouth. He's establishing a, an outpost that, and an example where the church, the gates of hell will not prevail, and I'll, I'll come back to that. And then by 1630, the great Puritan migration and, and uh, Governor Winthrop sailing into Boston with a great a band of ships following him, and he's preaching out of Matthew saying, we shall be a city set on a hill. These are three huge declarations that we still draw on as our American identity goes forth. Mm-hmm. And, and of our understanding. And one really, like a little caveat on our 1626, where the gates of hell will not prevail. Well, we know the, the atrocities in the darkness. You go to Salem today, and you're absolutely right, Christy. It's, it's the witch capital of America. 
but mm-hmm. we fail to realize what happened. Um, it was this. It was the breakdown of of self government in the 1680s that caused these Salem witch trials. But if if we just expand the, if we fast forward the timeline a little more, we don't talk about the great repentance there was in Salem, the great day of public fasting and humiliation, which came and 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 had this covenant being reestablished through forgiveness. And we don't realize that that became the seed, the seed of the first great awakening in America. And it was the, it was the repentance in Salem. Mm -hmm. And it was the reestablishment in communion of the people back into the church that caused this great healing and great awakening. So you've rightly pegged it as, as a very, and and today we, we, they celebrate the darkness rather than, what really happened, which is, you know, where we are culturally. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, you know, the Christians need to step forward and we need to claim our covenant. It, that's, that's right. Okay. All that's of right. us. Or, or it will be claimed for you and, and re-identified. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I look at you as one of the frontline covenant keepers, like a gatekeeper. Um, it took me my whole life to find out that I was actually connected to this whole uh, Mayflower Compact heritage, oh, right? right? And right. I call it a personal jubilee because it a- actually happened in my jubilee year where God started bringing forward all of this information. But it was because I have a first cousin that we share the grandparents, one set, and she spent well, probably about two decades researching extensively our genealogy. And so all of a sudden, um, and I've always had this patriotic, our whole family has been very patriotic. I think 4th of July has been the highlight, you know, Christmas and 4th of July have been kind of the highlights of our, (laughs) our family gatherings. And I had, as a child, even wanted to be in the service, but you know, this whole upper body strength thing created a real problem (laughs) for me, but, uh, but nonetheless, there are blessings in our lineage and you know everybody tosses the old or not everybody but many many modern pastors even toss the old testament out when it is just so rich it is so rich in advice and there are blessings that await the lineage of the people who entered these covenants but most people don't even know what they're grandfather or great-grandfather did because you know we're too distracted with all of these modern wonders uh, wizardry gadgetry Mm -hmm. and um in not taking into consideration that there could be great blessings laid up for us that we've never even accessed because we're not taking our posts Mm -hmm. and so every christian and every covenant keeper i believe needs to take their post and and you know, claim our territories as Christians, because yes, it will be re-identified for us if we don't. And we've even substituted the word covenant with testament. It's the New Testament and the Old Testament. Well, it's just a fancy word meaning covenant. We need to go back to the old covenant, the new covenant. We need to understand that it's a covenant, not just a testament, like reading of the will. This is a covenant with Almighty God. Yes. Hmm. And that. Good, very good point. Very good point there. So at any rate, I'm assuming that you work with some of the the Mayflower Society people 
and some of the ancestral groups. I pray that they're active. I pray that there's um, active services and prayers. And I can't wait personally to come up and <laughs> and meet everybody up there. And but you know, there there's got to be some lineage descendants and, and people still carrying that covenant that you guys connect with, I'm assuming. Well, one, one of the great things, uh, last year we celebrated the 400th anniversary of Thanksgiving in our nation, and there's so much to give thanks for. You know, it was, it was a great occasion, and one thing we realized is God is a God of generational blessing, and yes, to your point, he, you know, that's one thing to be thankful for, for the generations yes. that have come before us, that God still extends his blessing. And, and you know, America is a very transient place. If I drew a 50 mile radius around where I'm sitting right now, you would find a high concentration of 14 generations later, pil pilgrim descendants. And uh, for some reason, he's planted them here. And also there's, the, you know, out of that small band, there's over 30 million descendants in our nation today. So um, yes, to your point, generationally, it, God is faithful. He proves it over and over. And he's given us this. I look at the season of Thanksgiving as really a time of Thanksgiving for covenant and generational blessing. That's why you may not know who the Mayflower Pilgrims are. You may not understand all of these things about covenant, but why is Thanksgiving the Actually, the day before Thanksgiving, why is it the most traveled day in America and where are people going? They're going back to identify with a community or a family and give thanks for some reason. I mean, if, if it's yes. not co-opted with other things, but uh, that's really the legacy, the enduring legacy of Plymouth is this, this notion of Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving around a, a group, an identity of people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's a very good point because there are many things that we instinctively do because life is in the blood. It's, it says that. Mm. And you may not even know. It's just something is you have this instinct. You have an instinct to love your country. You have an instinct to honor, you know, your, your word, like your, your handshakes. But we don't even realize where some of those things come from that it actually originated from. A blood covenant. Mm -hmm. That's that's the nexus of it, right? Uh, you had a great illustration about the the covenant that Abraham had put forward, and I wanted you to share that because it it really is a phenomenal discussion. Because when we talk about covenant, these two countries being in covenant, we're talking about the the birth of the United States, and we're and that's a serious identity. Um, I would say a foundational identity for this country is everything we have discussed right now. But as we were set up as a country of light and covenant as the second one, let's talk about the first one. Go ahead. <laughs> well, God told Abram to get out of his country and go to the country. He'd tell him, well, he'd, he'd been wandering around that country for about 10 years and he, he was promised the land. So he asked God, God came down and he said, well, I'm going to make you a great nation and you're a father of many. And he said, well, how am I going to know this? How are you going to, uh, what are you going to prove? Prove it to me is basically what he's saying. Well, how am I going to know this? So he tells him to get a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old she-goat and a three-year-old ram to a pigeon and a turtle dove. And, he, and, and so he goes and he does it. And 
when God told us to do that, we'd go, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? But he understood what covenant was. So they took, he took these animals and he split them down the backbone, which was probably an all day job. And he's probably standing ankle deep in blood and he put the pieces apart. And part of the one, part of the ritual when you did that was to take the two people getting into covenant together would link arms and then they would walk through those pieces of meat uh, in, in the blood. <clears throat> so they were, they were forming a blood covenant. Well, God couldn't enter into a covenant with an unregenerated man. So he put Abram to sleep. <clears throat> and then it says a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed through those pieces. Well, it says God is a consuming fire. So he was the smoking furnace. And uh, the Bible always tells us, also tells us that uh, the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Jesus is the word and later he was made flesh, but he's always been the word. So the word, the light, the lamp and the light and the smoking furnace linked arms, so to speak, and walked through those pieces of meat to cut blood covenant with Abram. And so I said, I promised you this land and I promised you a son and this is your proof. And God will never break covenant. He'll never, never break covenant. We break covenant, but we have first John one, nine. If we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. We're right back in. So he set that up too. He's, he's a good and gracious God, but God uh, set this covenant with Abram and he told him, I'll give you the land. Well, years later, you know, he's going to help him along. And so they have Ishmael. And then it's, it's like 17, 18 years later before they get Isaac and, and, uh, He's, he tells them that Isaac is the son, but then he says, go up and sacrifice your only son. And he's saying, okay. And so he's quick to obey. And he goes up, he's, he's, he already raised him from the dead once, so to speak, because he came out of the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he's going to uh, sacrifice him. And then God stops him and says, no, don't sacrifice him. But it was on Mount Moriah, which is the same hill Jesus was crucified on. He said, okay, now that you're willing to give your son, and that part of part of covenant was an exchange of gifts. You give your best thing to me, I give my best thing to you. So he's given his only son, his, his son a promise, and he's willing to do it. He says, well, don't do it. But then generations later, Jesus was sacrificed on the same hill. I'm giving you my son, my best. So it's an exchange of gifts to, again, to ratify that covenant. I mean, it took decades. It took years. It took hundreds of years. But all that was put into place. So now we, and in Galatians, it tells us that if we're, we're Christ, then we're, we're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So all that covenant is for us too. It's for anyone who will receive him. Right. So this blood covenant was binding. I mean, it's, it's, and it's forever. The Abrahamic covenant is the basis of Judaism, but it's also the basis of Christianity because we now are at Christ, you know, Abraham's seed through Christ. So um, it's, it's a, it's a covenant that can't be broken. God will never break covenant with us. So um, this is what we stand on as covenant people, and we don't know it. Right. And that's part of the reason we're doing this show today is to really help develop our social uh, network, our social connectivity, our social identity, so to speak, in this country as covenant people. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Because it really has been lost. Mm-hmm. And been. I would say, even for the first 40 years of my life, I really did not have a good understanding of it. And I've been breaking it down recently. We'll, we'll put out a book this year on Covenant, the Light and Preservation Group does. We've already started it. It'll be about a 50-page uh, color booklet on Covenant. And we want to focus on three things. The covenant with the individual, as you've just mentioned, uh, Bonnie, this covenant that God comes with, finds mm-hmm. an individual, Abraham. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the blessing of covenant, we, we look at it in the, with the new covenant, this, this covenant that's written on the individual's heart that gives him the liberty. Mm-hmm. And we've been tracing liberty, the relationship of covenant and liberty in these three ways with the individual, with a group of people, God calls his people, and also how that affects a covenant that brings it into a covenant in the nation of a nation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, specifically America. So the individual, the group, his church, and a nation. And, and that's what we're fighting to protect, protect as Christians and preserve. And, and preserve. And what, what really are we preserving? We're preserving the liberty that God has given us. And this goes back to our Pilgrim Fathers 400 years ago when they were engaged in a tyrannical regime. Yes. They were, their, their liberties were being choked and, and, cho- and choked out. And, and they, they understood that their liberties didn't come from a secular government. It didn't come from an authority, an authority or a power. It came from God. And that's mm-hmm. what we're preserving, this understanding of covenant and the liberty coming from it mm-hmm. that is ours from the creator. It's, it's that whole idea. Where we are today is we're into the, the natural state of affairs. We're into the laws of nature, it, whether their environment rules us or governs us but we've excluded the laws of nature and of nature's God. So we, we've, we've eliminated mm-hmm. nature's God, and now we're just under the laws of nature. And that's, that's in direct um, opposition to when, when the pilgrims came, they were in this law of nature because they were, they were just off course, and they mm-hmm. had to realign themselves by that understanding of the civil body politic. No, we're in the name of God, we'll govern ourselves because God gives us our liberty. Yes, yes, that's good. Well, I was even thinking about those, the pilgrims, that how they lost half of their crew, and thinking about it as, you know, that was our foundation. That, that's a blood covenant right there. Mm-hmm. They exchanged half of their crew. You know, we talk about giving the best. These, these are the best. Mm-hmm. They were, think of the courage these people had. To, they, they didn't even know if they could, end up anywhere when they jump on that boat, you know, it, it, it's not like jumping on the love ship today, you know, the, they, they're literally taking their lives in their hands. This is a very courageous, the, the, the tyrannical and authoritarian government that they were escaping had to be so bad that they were willing to risk their lives to get away from it. That's right. And, and, and that's what it was. And so you get these people and I don't think, you know, that was a whole school of skilled mariners getting on that boat. That's right. It, it was your normal people escaping tyrannical rule, courageous enough to, to take their own hand, life in their hands to go find a better way that will honor God. Without really knowing where they were going. Without, exactly, kind of like Abraham, <laughs> Like <right>? Abraham. <laughs> but knowing that God had promised them. Promised to promise. A promise. And it's interesting because even that covenant agreement of the compact, it extended the benefits to those who were strangers on board. They weren't a part of the pilgrim congregation. And it's this, it's this great um, picture of God's blessing uh, uh, is available to all. These, these rights and the, um, blessings are available to all who would put their faith in, in, in him. And uh, even, we, even the residual blessings of our nation whether you understand this or not, you, you enjoy a, a degree of liberty that doesn't exist in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Kind of like being a 
Gentile grafted into a <laughs> Jewish <laughs> heritage. <laughs> yes. Kind of like that, Kinda right? Like that, yes. Oh, I wonder where they came up with that concept. Mm. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you ended up on that street, on that property. I'm sure there's got to be a little bit of a story behind that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. A, a homeschool couple uh, that came here to um, the prior owners of this property was um, a couple with nine, uh, nine children that came from Hawaii to experience New England. <laughs> and uh, they, were, they were people of a reformed tradition that understood covenant a little bit uh, more than uh, I did at the time. And uh, they, they realized the significance of the lot and they wanted to uh, learn. And then they actually, their, their vision was that they could go back to Hawaii and rent this out to other homeschool families that would come to learn exactly what you're talking about, Christy, educate themselves about more of our identity, more of our cultural roots in our history and our, in our, in our Christian heritage. Uh, but that was largely before a lot of the internet capabilities of really connecting Airbnbs and so forth and rentals. So it, it wasn't really panning out like their vision had thought and they were interested in selling. Uh, so we realized that if this goes on the open market, it might, you know, it, it's just on the open market. So we jumped in at the time and, and secured it in 2008 and just uh, had it really was vacant for a number of years. Mm. And then we finally decided in 2012 and, and, and then, and more so to really bring it under, uh, bring it under ownership. And, and our goal is really to put this into a trust so we can have it for generations. It's just not, it, we, we don't, we, we realize the great responsibility of ownership of a, of a project like this, but really this needs to be put into a trust that will live on forever. Absolutely. Until, until the Lord returns. So Tell them a little bit about the lot one though. Yeah. So the lot one, we're right directly across the street from, um, from where the pilgrims landed first, the, the site of the first property ownership. So these, these lots would have eventually been divided and there's a whole economic blessing and there's a whole economic blessing that comes out of covenant in private property ownership. And this would have been, these would, these lots would have been privately owned in the colony by 1621, 1623 that would create more economic production because of land ownership, because of the concept of land ownership. The King didn't own it. Uh, it just wasn't owned in 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 a commune, in a, in a commune purpose, it was owned by a family. It was owned by an individual who represented the head of the household that, that they could be productive and benefit. And so, so private property ownership. And another interesting thing that happened here at Lot One, because it was a sort of a central meeting house, they elect the first representative election, representative election where the people could elect a leader. And they elected uh, Miles Standish as uh, captain of the guard to lead their colony in, in a common defense. And why would they have done that? I'm just showing this example because Standish was hired back in Europe to guard this, these families that came. They knew the wilderness would be a, a difficult place to live. There could be dangers. Uh, why would they have to elect him? Well, after drawing up the compact, 
this was a way of living out the compact. We can come into any agreement, but we have to eventually live under those agreements and take action that is in alignment with our agreement. And that's what this first representative election signifies. And that happened here at Lot 1. And then, uh, and then just a few months later, uh, that significant alliance, that treaty, that agreement with the First Nations that they would share, uh, share a common defense against all other aggressors. And that's almost the first international peace treaty that we have. Right, These right. are two significant, two very, very different, different nations. We're not even sure. We don't even, there's, there's a remarkable story of just the uh, Squanto as an interpreter and so forth that comes into play of just understanding a different culture. And what is the basis, how we can even get along with a different culture, Jew or Gentile, it is the covenant. It's the covenant mm-hmm. that gives us the freedom to do that. So, so those three things are very uh, significant here at Lot One, and um, we just like to we like to focus on two things here in, in our publications and in getting the word out is the Mayflower Compact, the self governing tool of freedom that we come and align ourselves because of covenant and Thanksgiving and all the great things of, of, of an American Thanksgiving. Why does the world look at America's and, and wonder what, what is their American Thanksgiving about? There's so many Thanksgivings, but this one is really the enduring legacy of Plymouth and the families that engage in it, and the generational blessing of covenant. Yeah, and many people don't realize that they're concentrated more on Black Friday and these other <laughs> secular things because we've probably been the most marketed people on the on the face of the planet. That's where covenant keepers and gatekeepers and and having you on the program today is starting to bring back, hey, America, I think I think there'll be a new hunger because we talk about just the significance of the first election and you know, we don't have the discussion, was there election fraud? And what, you know, all these other things, because there was an honor factor back then. Mm -hmm. And they were all in unity, escaping a tyrannical takeover. Nobody would want to cover it up. (laughs) You know, they were trying to escape all that. And so really trying to bring back, okay, you know, just this honor for our land, for what our forefathers stood for, for the principles of this country, because it is so honorable. And there has been a lot of bloodshed over the, the years to defend it. People, mm-hmm. Young men and women gave their lives to defend this ideal. And the politicians, how dare they try to steal it? Mm-hmm. You know? Consider, sure, consider life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. These are biblical concepts Mm -hmm. Uh, as an extension of covenant life is the blood on the doorpost all the way back to the exodus Mm -hmm. liberty is let my people go and the pursuit of happiness was really um property rights and the most important property 400 years ago was my conscience right the, the liberty of conscience to believe what i wanted to believe here we today we're we're back 400 years later you know, the authorities or government will tell you what to believe. Right. And, and see, the, this conscience right was one of the early uh, precious rights of people who understood where their liberties come from. And those conscience rights lead to all the other rights. 
So if you if we can't express ourselves or think or a right to believe, then they're going to be taking they're going to be taking more action against uh, our our personal liberty of conscience. And that's where our Christians need to well all people of faith really need to stand up because it is protecting every faith, every faith, the right to express whatever faith you are. And there is a force of darkness. There are two kingdoms, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. And everywhere in America that seems to be a covenant place, you have the the darkness battling for it. And so, you know, you look at New York was our first national capital. New York was the first um, corporate headquarters for Planned Parenthood. Then, you know, Washington, D.C. becomes the next. What is that sacrificing of innocent blood? Defilement of the very image of God. Mm-hmm. You know, God is not happy with that. And every Christian in their heart knows that. Mm-hmm. That you cannot, he cannot say that these are, These are creatures made in my image. These are beyond creatures. These are co-heirs made in my image. Mm -hmm. And we don't have a right to destroy that because now you have defiled your covenant. You've defiled the Mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. So now you have this issue where, you know, and and the church has been so passive. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was even having this discussion about, what happened when you have this go- government creating structures for everything, and now you plug the church into the structure, and now you're not led by spirit, you're led by memberships. Now the churches are file, file articles of incorporation and 501c3s, and they're mimicking the structure of your corporations with your CEO at the top. Now you have a pastor at the top. The pastor isn't deliver- helping people deliver their souls, they're acting like a CEO. They're mimicking. Mm. And so all of a sudden, these very very basic things we're talking about today, covenant, it's thrown out the door because you you have membership-driven organizations, denominations that are inward-focused in building their own silos, left and right. Mm. But they're not being the guard keepers of the covenants that this country came into. Does that make sense? Yes, very good. You know, I, I remember the disciples asked the Lord, how do we pray? And our Father, who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And that's where, you know, an understanding of covenant brings you back into really advancing God's kingdom, mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, the kingdom here on earth through a, through the church, but God's kingdom. And um, as you rightly pointed out, you know, we've lost track of really understanding the, the great things of the kingdom and, and the value of the kingdom. I, there's two other quick things I'd like to share is, you know, the word, the word of God talks about my word is spirit and life. And, you know, where, where it really is the spirit of a people. And uh, it has got to be centered around covenant and God's word and what he's, what he's established and the life of a people. You know, do we have do we have a living relationship and a living faith that will go speak in the public square as to what you're saying? You know, or my word is spirit and life. And if you can bring bring those things to bear down back into into our identity document as Christians today, 
will will find a new energy will find a new well it's a revival of spirit really is yes. what we need. Mm-hmm. and uh, our license plates here in massachusetts talks about the spirit of massachusetts well you know what is that spirit or the spirit of america what is that spirit and uh, we can if we're not careful we give the spirit we give that spirit authority away and that's what we are taking back by covenant by by looking into covenant yes yes mm-hmm. well i thank you so much for your time today i cannot wait to come up and uh, share this experience yeah. with you, meet your wife, uh, another great patriot. I love it. That would be wonderful. And um, thank you, Bonnie, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And sharing your expertise and your research on Covenant. Jerry, I would love to be kept in touch with your how your book is coming along. And, uh, and we will connect very soon. Great. Thank you for having me. And great, great to meet you, Bonnie. Godspeed to both of you, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. All right. God bless. Bless you. Thank you again for tuning in to The Soul Connection. We can be found at soulconnectionusa.com with our developing community. Please join us again every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, Find new ways this week and every week to make your own soul connections.